real high if you don't have a Bible. Just hold up your hand real high and say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Redman's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And as we allow the word to shine in our hearts today, that as we continue in our series, that Father, our lives will be changed for the better as we yield to your word, as we straighten out the areas of our lives through changing, and most of all, We raise our level of anticipation so that, Father, our faith will always be in position for your best. We thank you now for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, I started a new series entitled Growing to the Next Level. Say that with me. Say Growing to the Next Level. You must grow in order to get to the next level that God has for you. And spiritual growth is necessary in order for us to spiritually mature. And so the purpose of this series is to motivate us to spiritually grow so that the quality of our lives are enhanced. And so we're going to learn how important it is to always be growing the different ways in which growth takes place. And then finally, we're going to look at some of the benefits that growing brings. And so today's lesson is designed to show us why changing is a prerequisite to growing and growing positions us for the next level blessings that God has for us. So our lesson title today, I want you to write it down and it's this, you have not because you change not. You have not because you change not. Now just touch your neighbor next to you and say, neighbor, I know he's about to talk to you right now. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you sure about that? (laughs) Now I want you to find Galatians chapter 3, verses 29. Galatians chapter 3, verses 29. And then I want you to find 2 Chronicles chapter 25. That was Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And then I want you to find 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Now, as we continue to move forward... One of the things I want to emphasize as we talk about growing to the next level, and that is you have to make a decision for you to grow. And we talked about that on last week. And I want you, if you weren't here, to go back and listen to those messages. But in Galatians chapter 3, I'm actually going to start in verse 29. And then I'm going to continue to read into chapter 4 because, remember, the Bible was not written in chapter and verses. They only did that for the benefit of us when we read it because it was written as one long letter. 
And so in order for us to be able to say where to go, they put in letters, uh, numbers, and they put in different chapters. And so are you there in chapter 3? Watch verse 29, and then we're going to read into verse chapter 4. It says, and if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, say heirs, and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now I want you to see here that it says that if we are in Christ, then we are Abraham's seed. And because we are now Abraham's seed, we are in position to be heirs to the promise that God made to Abraham. But I wanted you to see here, he went on to say that even though you may be an heir, in order for you to receive the inheritance, you cannot stay at a child level. He says you must grow up. He goes on to say, because you differ nothing than a, than a servant. Can you imagine being the son of Donald Trump, having the power and the prestige that he has, but you cannot function at a power level because you're too young or immature to handle it. And there are certain levels in God that for us to get there, we must mature to get there. And if you notice here, he says, we differ nothing than a servant if we don't grow up. And he says, what happens is God will put you under tutors and governors until the day appointed of the father for you to get in position. And there are a lot of believers that are not in the spiritual position that God has for them. And some cases in a natural position because God knows they're not spiritually mature to be able to handle it. Growing to the next level is impossible without the need to change. You can change and not mature, but you cannot mature without changing. I'm going to say that again. You can change and not mature, but you cannot mature without changing. What does that mean? That means you can change for the worse. You can actually change and go backwards. That doesn't cause you to mature. But in order to mature, you have to change. And listen to this. You cannot say you are spiritually growing if you're not changing. I know a lot of people who say, oh, I'm glowing. I'm close to the Lord. I mean, they spend all this quality time with God. They are in the closet. They are some of those deep Christians. How many know what I'm talking about? When you meet them at work, all they do is quote chapters and verses. And they carry that big old white family bible to, to, to you know it's sitting there on their cubicle and you can't have a decent conversation with them how you doing today well this is the day the lord has made and i will rejoice and be glad in it okay uh do you want to go to lunch today well you don't know i have meat that you know not of my meat is to do the will of the father i was just talking about going to papa or something But then if you examine the life of that person, the fruit does not match their walk. Their talk doesn't match their walk. And what's happening is they think that they are spiritually growing and they're not. 
1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But watch this. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, you cannot say you are growing unless you are changing. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have not because you change not. So here's point number one that I want you to write down. Number one, God's best for our lives require change. God's best for our lives require change. And I want you to find that, that scripture that I told you, Second Chronicles chapter 25, verses 1. I'm going to start. God's best for your life and my life requires some change. And you know what? People can change for one of three reasons. And before we read the verse, I want you to just take note of these. You don't have to write them down, but I just want you to listen to me. People change for one of three reasons. Number one, they change because it's convenient. These are people who change because it's easy and it's been beneficial to them. In other words, they do it because it's easy and something good is going to come out of it for them. And so some people change because it's convenient. Some people change because they have been coerced or forced by someone to change. And these are just people who, you know, through the coercement, they change only for a little bit because as soon as the pressure of whoever wants them to change is released, then they're going to go right back to what they used to do. And that's what happens to kids. When you force them to serve God and they get older and they say, Man, I ain't never going to church no more in my life. How many of you ever said that out loud or in your heart before you left the house? Okay, the rest of you all are just lying your teeth out. (laughs) But then you have people who spiritually grow and they change because it's a conviction. Notice I said the first people, they change because it's convenient. Then some people change because they're coerced. And then some people change because it's a conviction. And these are people who change because they believe that, that God has something for them. And they believe that what he has for them is best for them. And even though they know that this change that he wants them to make may bring some present discomfort, they know at the end it's going to produce the best that God has for them. And that's the one that you got to learn how to embrace. And my goal this morning is to help you see that. In 2 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 1 says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 25 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was whatever that is. (laughs) Verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But watch this though. But not with a perfect heart. I mean, how can you do what's right in the sight of the Lord, but not with the perfect heart? Because Amaziah had a convenient obedience to the Lord. If it was okay and easy to do, and if it was going to profit him, he did it. But if it was going to bring some challenge to him, he said, I don't know about that. And those are people who say this, Lord, not my will, but thy will, as long as thy will doesn't conflict with my will. For real. Now, let's continue to read because I want you to look in verse 5. It says, uh, let's continue to read. Let's look in verse 2 or verse 3. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. But he slew not their children, 
but did as is written in the book of the law of Moses, where God, the Lord God commanded, saying, The father shall not die for the children, and the children, neither shall the children for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. Boy, I like that one. Verse 5. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together, and he made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their father. Watch this now. Although all Judah and Benjamin, he numbered them 20 years old and above, and he found them 3,000 choice men able to go forth to war. In other words, he went around and he said, you know what? I need the best men that can fight. And so he went and found 300,000 choice men to go and fight verse 6 he hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of israel for a hundred talents of silver so he said you know what i need some more men so he went out and bought a thousand a hundred thousand mighty men and he bought them with a hundred talents of silver watch and see what happens Verse 7, but there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel. He was saying, listen, I know you want to take them to go fight with you, but right now their heart's not right with God. He's not with them right now. Don't take them with you. But see, there was a problem because he had already paid for them to come. He didn't want to waste his down payment. He didn't want to lose his earnest money. Amen. I'm just putting it where we are today. And look at verse 8. He said, but if you go and do it, and you try to be strong in battle, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and cast down. Here's the verse I want you to see. And Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? He says, I'm going to lose my money. i Spent too much time trying to make this happen. I put all this work and this energy into trying to work this out. I've been dating this person for two years and you're telling me God don't want me to marry them? You know how much money I done spent on them? I have bought an engagement ring and you telling me God don't want me to marry them? Listen, it's better to pull out now than to do it later. Thank you for those 15 claps right there. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Just messing with you. But watch what happens because you have to see, listen to me now, that change always produces God's best for your life. Because watch what the prophet said to him. I love this. And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. When we change God's way, when we begin to just melt our flesh and allow our spirits to grow and start making changes in our life. Listen, God has more for you than what you think. Amen. Which leads me to point number two, and I want you to write this down. Change is not a choice. Change is not a choice. I want you to go to Mark chapter 2 very quickly. Mark chapter 2. Change is not a choice. See, if you treat change like a choice, then uh, what would actually happen is, depending on where you need to change, will determine whether you uh, do it or not. In fact, I want you to write this down uh, as a good statement. If you see change as a choice, you will grow backwards. If you see change as a choice, 
You will grow backwards. That's what happens to people who are married. They get married. And what happens is when you get married, you get closer to that person. You stop seeing the good and all you start seeing is the bad. And what happens, you start seeing all the bad. And then when you see all the bad, then you see all the reasons why they need to change. Oh, I don't need to change. I'm not the one with the problem. They're the one with the problem. But see, here's the thing. You get in that relationship and you start seeing the bad and you start expecting them to change. And you focus on them and not focus on you. And so when you stop changing, you don't realize that in you stopping changing, you start growing backwards. And that's why the relationship gets worse because, see, a good, healthy marriage relationship is like this. You are alive to make that other person's life better regardless of what they do for you. Amen. And the average believer sees change as bad and not good. They see it as inconvenient and not beneficial, and so they never change. But change without growth is impossible. So look at this, Mark chapter 2, and right down verse 22. I love this because it shows us that change is just not a choice. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 22, he says, And no man puts new wine into old bottles. Either the new wine will burst the bottles, and the wine gets spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine, say new wine. New wine must be put in what kind of bottles? New bottles. So guess what? You have to make a decision to change. And the only way to do that, you got to start putting down some new wine into this new heart that God's given you. Amen. You can't afford to process God's way through carnal thinking. It doesn't work. Because your carnal mind will say, it doesn't make sense for me to do this uh, because it doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to profit me. But how many know his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? You know, the scripture says in James, we have not because we ask not. But guess what? That sounds like the person who's doing that needs to change. Because if they weren't asking, the change is they need to start asking. Then he goes on to say, they ask but don't receive because they ask amiss or they ask ask with selfish motives. Which says now, if you are asking and you're not getting, maybe it's because you're asking with selfish motives. Which means you need to change and check your motives out. Everything in life, if it's going to grow, it has to change. If a woman is going to have a baby, her body must change. I mean, you can't want to get pregnant and say, well, I don't want to get fat. That's just not happening. No, no, no. Your body is going to have to go through some changes. And to get something you don't currently have, you must begin to do something you are currently not doing. Or you may have to stop doing something you're currently doing to get something that you don't have. See, a lot of times we look at what we're doing wrong instead of looking at what we may not be doing at all. So I want you to write down here. It's point number three. Change requires faith. Change requires faith. Here's a take-home statement I want you to write down. Change today produces expectation for new results tomorrow. I'm going to say it again. Change today produces expectation for new results tomorrow. In other words, when you begin to change... It produces expectation to say, you know what? I've done my part. Now it's up to God to do his part. Yes. 
There is nothing like you doing your part and sitting back and says, okay, now God, I'm waiting to do for you to do yours. Let me tell you something about God. God's going to do his part. And that's what happens. We're waiting on God, but he's waiting on us. And so change requires faith. Change is evidence that my faith is alive and is in position to work. You know, because the scripture says uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. In other words, when I begin to change, it's proof that, you know, faith without works is dead. Okay, if my faith is dead because there are no works, when I begin to put some works which represent change, when I start producing some change in there, then that's evidence that my faith is alive. Amen. People who've had to make some changes by faith to get God's best, I want to give you some of those people. These are people who say, you know what? Whatever God tells me I'm going to do, whatever change I need to make, write down Abraham. In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go here and then we'll finish out. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Here's a list of people that had to make some changes in order to get God's best in their life. And that's my goal this morning. My goal is to stir up in you a desire to want to make some changes, regardless of how difficult the changes are. And I'm going to show you at the end what are some of the things that can help you make the change. Abraham was one of these people. He had to move. He had to get out of his country. He had to leave his family. He had to even get a name change and get circumcised. He had to do all of that for him to get in covenant with God. But God blessed him to become very rich and then made him the father of many nations. Look in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. I love this. It says, by faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place where he would after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed, he changed, he went out, not even knowing where he was going to go. But Abraham did it. He said, listen, and he did it by faith. What does that mean? That means that whatever God has promised you in order for you to get after you, after you've changed, whatever he promised you, he was going to give you. That's what Abraham had. Even though he didn't know what was going to happen, he did it. Here's another person. Elijah. Remember Elijah when he was being fed at the brook and the Bible says that God told him, look, go to the brook. I've commanded a raven to feed you and there's going to be a brook of water that you can drink water from. And I want you to just chill there until I tell you to leave. Well, he started drinking and and then one day the birds stopped bringing him food. Well, Elijah wasn't like some of us. See, some of us, we sit there and we'll still stay there. I'm just waiting on this bird. You know, the bird could represent unemployment. I'm waiting on this unemployment check. And they said, now they're not giving me any more. I've been denied. Well, Elijah was smart. He said, okay, Lord, what happened? When the, liver, when the river dried up, the Bible says, God said, now, I want you to move over to another city. And I want you to go there because I've already commanded a widow woman to feed you there. He had to change his current destination in order for him to get his provision met. He had to make a change. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Look at him real good. Say, neighbor. You have not because you changed not. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. Don't say that to me no more. 
Elijah had to change physical locations twice in order to be, for him to be physically fed. Here's another person that you know real well who had to make a lot of changes in his life to get God's best. And his name is Evan Connor. I had to make some changes. First of all, I had to change because I wanted to be in business. I wanted to go and be in corporate America and be in business. And the Lord allowed me to do that for about five years after school. But then I, I was involved in the church and we went on a mission trip. And I went to the mission trip in Jamaica. And the Lord said, this is where I want you to go to school. Well, school was not on my radar. I had already been to school for what? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? 16 years. See, I noticed I had to count. Because I use calculators now. And guess what? The Lord was like, no, I want you to go to school. And I was like, I don't want to go to school. And then he wanted me to move to Jamaica. I did not want to move to Jamaica. But I had to make a change to get God's best. I didn't know when I made that change, God was going to speak one of my eternal purposes into my life. And then I was going to meet the person that I was going to marry for the rest of my life. But I had to make a change. Then I had to make a change because I remember when I began to pray about what God wanted us to start a church. He had originally told us to start in Florida. And that's why we were destined to go to Florida. And we loved Florida because it had consistent good weather. I mean, they had beaches and all that. Boy, I wasn't, I, I wasn't hating on Florida at all. And so our hearts were set for Florida. And then all of a sudden the Lord changed his mind and said, no, I want you to stay right here. How many know I had to change? Amen. And so if we have to change to make God, to get God's best, what does it take to change? Here it is right here. And here's point number four. Change requires vision. Change requires vision. There are three ways that a person can have vision in order to be able to change. Here's the first one. Having vision by seeing through prophetic eyes. See, when you can see through prophetic eyes and through, or through a prophetic dream or through a prophecy or that something that God has said prophetically in his word for you, when you can see through the eyes of that prophecy, when you can see through the eyes of that dream, that's what Joseph did. Joseph got a prophetic dream from God and that thing that was in his heart is what motivated him to make any change. He was able to adjust to the pit because he knew that adjusting to this, there's something coming down the road for me. But then sometimes, even if we don't have prophetic eyes to see so that we can make a change, sometimes you have vision by seeing through the eyes of a given promise that God has given you. What, what promise has God given you? What has he said he was going to produce in your life? Well, I'm saying to you that that's a promise from God. And what you do is you begin to see with vision how that promise is going to make your life better. And whatever changes you got to make to get there... You're willing to make them. Listen, in order for, see, I knew for me to be a pastor, I couldn't cuss you out no more. I don't laugh. Some of y'all still cuss right now. And see, because you're not a pastor, you can kind of get away with it. Even though, you know, some of y'all are secret cussers. <laughs> see, you don't cuss while you're at church. You better watch it because sometimes you can let it slip. I remember, uh, you know, I wasn't even saved. This is when I was a Presbyterian. I wasn't even saved. And I used to cuss really bad to the point where I couldn't tell if I was cussing or not. How many been there? How many still there? No hands. Okay. 
Well, I was in church one day and I was talking, talking, and just cuss words just flew out of my mouth and I wasn't even paying attention. It was probably because I smoked that doobie before I walked in there. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Let me see your hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had to begin to look through the eyes of what God promised me. And that allowed me to change. See, I remember uh, when I was in college. And see, I started, I started working on being married before I met the person. Because you're not going to just get ready when you meet them. So I started working way early. And this is what one day I remember the Lord told me. He says, Evan, you're looking for a princess, but you're a fraud. I was like, I ain't never read that in the Bible. You want a princess, but you act like a frog? What in the world is that? This is sound like Disney stuff to me. And what he was saying to me was that you want this woman that's faith and loves God. And he said, but you act like a frog. And from that day on, I started preparing myself as a man of God. So when I met this woman, I don't have to wait 20 years to date her because I'm not ready. I was already, listen, I was walking a ready man. All I needed to do was see the person, and then that next day I could say I do if I wanted to. You have to see through the eyes of a God-given promise in order for you to change. Here's the last one. Having vision sometimes come by seeing the place that God's going to have you to be in or that position that God's going to have you to have after you make the change. That's what happened to Jesus. The scripture says, for the joy that was set before him. What joy? He was going to be sitting down on the right hand of God and he was going to see all of God's kids getting saved by his blood being shed. He was looking at that and not looking at what he was going through. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured it. He made, listen, he was able to go through that change because he was focused on the position that God had for him. So here's my question to you. What is God saying to you? What changes in your life do you need to make for you to reach that next level? What changes do you need to make personally for your marriage to get better? You say, well, pastor, uh, my spouse is one that needs to, you know, make all the changes. You need to go back and get, listen to this CD again. Because, see, a lot of change that needs to take place are the ones that we need to make. But what is God saying to you? And what area in your life do you need to change? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning. And here's the question I have. What is the Spirit of God saying to you?